Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Um, you're on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Donald Brookins. I am your host. Uh, co-hosting today with me would be my brother, Ronald Brookins. How are you today, Ronald? I'm okay, Donald. Today our discussion will be specifically on education. Ronald? All right, Donna, before we start, let's give them a brief summary of what our program is going to be about today. Welcome to today's edition of America's Community Voices, a Twin B Communications production hosted by Donald and Ronald Brookins. Our focus today is education in America, specifically public education, and a discussion and review of problems and issues confronting public education in America. Some of the critical questions that we will be addressing today, why are teachers being blamed? Are parents accountable for their children's education? Is the playing field equal for all schools? How has standardized testing impacted the quality of education in our schools? What about school administrators and school boards, elected officials, unions? Can we all get on the same page with a unified effort? I will be your host today. My name is Donald Brookins, and co-hosting with me will be my brother, Ronald Brookins. Okay, that's our opening for today, and I'm going to turn it back over to the host as we move along with our discussion about education. Uh, there's been this big uproar about waiting for Superman, but we want to debate what exactly are we waiting for. All right, Donald, take it over. Yeah, we do, and, and, and I'll preface that by saying that um, recently the Oprah Winfrey Show uh, dedicated two hours to this subject, specifically around uh, the documentary Waiting for Superman. Uh, she also did a follow-up show with the reaction to that documentary. Um, and so I want to start with the documentary. Um, pretty interesting. Um, had and focused mainly on the director uh, of that specific documentary who had recently been successful with uh, an inconvenient truth. So he was, was, was tackling the education system. Um, he started off by saying that when he had been a young child, um, his mother used to take him to school and they'd drive past these public schools to take him to a better school, and he'd ask his mother, well, why are you doing that? His mother would say that uh, our school system is broken. Many of our schools are broken. So that's what the uh, Oprah show started off with in discussing um, the school system and why it's broken. Well, I think you need to add a little bit more detail because if I remember the, the, his, his discussion of this, they lived in Washington, D.C., and he was being taken to a school in Virginia. That's true. That's true. He was being taken to the school in uh, Virginia, and the major focus was one, on one of the worst school systems that, that exist in this country, which was in Washington, D.C., um, so much of the discussion centered around that. Uh, what some of the facts that came up that that, that, that I, I was intrigued by. One was um, uh, kids getting a crappy education and why that was occurring. The other was that this generation, um, it is believed at this point that this generation will be less literate than the previous generation. 
All right, let's look at a couple of things, though. The first thing, probably the most alarming thing, is, is that for the first time in our country's history, the next generation will and has been determined will be more illiterate than the previous generation. One of the great aspects of the American dream has always been that parents live their lives and work all their lives so that they can make a better life for their children in hopes that their children will have a better life than they had. Um, that was one of the, especially for minority families, that was one of the common beliefs. It was a foundation of what Booker T. Washington talked about in terms of developing an educational system at, um, uh, the, uh, at the vocational school that he started at Tuskegee. Uh, the whole concept of, of, of was that that we must work today to make a better life for our children tomorrow and then for their children and for future generations. So the education system as it is, does it provide a successful framework for our kids to have better futures? That's true. Um, one of the guests on the show today, uh, on Oprah's show, was Bill Gates. And Bill Gates, being uh, an entrepreneur and uh, one of the leading business people in this country, said that the pro one of the problems was that the, the job market is geared toward people who have um, four-year and two-year degrees when over a million and a half people are dropping out of school and not receiving degrees. But, but let's get back to the question of the framework of the overall system itself. Uh, does it... Is it successful enough? Uh, does it have built into it a system and a framework to provide a better education to our kids? In other words, why will this next generation be more illiterate than the generation before it? Well, um, so I, I think that basically, though, the, the center of this discussion should be around the public school system because that's where it seems to be where most of the problem is. Uh, lies in the public school system uh, is that mechanism set up to to deliver um, what we want is an, an educated illiterate uh, society of of people of citizens you mean an educated literate society but the, the question still remains and that's what I want to get you for you and I to discuss is is does this framework exist where we can correct this problem I would say yes, of course it exists. And why do you say it exists? I, I, I say it exists because, we, first of all, I don't know if we've really uh, come up with a, with, with, with a means of evaluating uh, and developing uh, a process for accountability, and that's what has, has to eventually happen. I think that uh, we first have got to identify and stop this blaming of teachers that fall blaming anyone, for a matter of fact. It shouldn't be blame. It should be solution-oriented. It should be something in which everyone, that this is a shared, shared endeavor for all, for parents, for teachers, for students, for educators, for government officials. Or this has to be done collectively. But haven't we, to a great extent, for the past 30 years, year after year, taken new classes of students that come in, put them in classrooms, and tell teachers, these are the standards that you must meet, now teach them, based on the same curriculum and the same standards? That's true. I mean, and that's, both you and I live in Florida, so that's, that's a perfect example. With Jed, uh, Jed Bush came up with this plan of this FCAT 
to uh, to to measure measure uh, how we were doing as far as achieving education in our state and meeting certain standards, and uh, it turned out to be not, in my opinion, not so successful because you had teachers instead of teaching uh, uh, students uh, um, education, they were teaching the FCAT for half of the year. So I think that that took away uh, from the process of people learning. What about expectations? Should the expectations of performance within education simply lie with teachers, or should those expectations be spread all around to all of the stakeholders within education? System? Well, of course, it's to all of the stakeholders. Well, don't say that it's just a course now, because you and I may say, of course, but there are people who are significant to the process that don't believe that. Uh, it's a very one-sided approach of where the expectations should lie. So let you and I talk about from a broad sense where are the expectations, where they should lie. Okay. Well, at the moment, from what a perfect example of what happened on Oprah's show was that it seems that everyone wants to blame the teachers, want to say that we've got good teachers and bad teachers and we need to weed out the bad teachers. But I, it's my supposition that if we've got bad t- teachers, then that the system that we currently have is producing and generating those bad teachers and not holding them accountable or the system accountable for trying to correct the problem. But, again, I, I'm talking about expectations. Should we have a system of expectations in which we expect all of those within the system to do their jobs, to create an environment of opportunity ultimately for what I believe to be the two most important aspects of the system, the teacher-student relationship. Well, yeah, everyone has to play a role. I mean, parents have to play a role. Students have to play a role. Uh, the, the, the teachers have to play a, play a role. School board has to play a role. Everyone has to play a role. Everyone has to be accountable and know what their role is. But what's the expectation, Donald? That's what I'm asking you. What is the expectation? That you simply play a role? No, that you be involved. No, Donald, I, I disagree with you. All right. The expectation must be, it has to be, that you perform. And performance means that when you start out within the whole process of the, of the stakeholders, you start off with the school board itself. The school board is responsible for the school environment. Teachers don't, uh, don't make up the curriculum that they teach. That, that curriculum is decided upon by local school boards. You know? So, therefore, school boards must provide curriculums that create opportunities for teachers to teach and to develop their classrooms. Uh, and then when you get the teachers, the teachers must be accountable for every single student. You're not going to have the total classroom of just high-performance students. Some of them are high-performance and, and, and don't need much in terms of what you give them with the curriculum. They have better support systems, but teachers are going to have to be able to identify those kids who require additional support and provide that support, encourage them and motivate them. Uh, and then the students themselves must have the uh, must be nourished and have the support of their parents and other family members and their communities, and so that they can have an expectation of performing well. An expectation shouldn't be that you simply pass a test and that you're able to meet the, the minimum requirements of FCAT. The expectation is that you excel. That all of the different proponents of the system, starting with the school boards on down to the school administrators, the teachers, and then the students themselves as well as the parents that everybody meets their obligations in order to make sure that the child has a good education. 
Well, I agree with that. I mean, that's what I thought I was saying, that, I mean, of course, school systems uh, provide the tools to the teachers who then take those tools to create uh, uh, an environment and educate those students to where they perform and they can excel. I mean, that's important. For those of you who are listening, you're listening to America's Community Voices on Blog Talk Radio. and you're listening to your host. Our host today is Donald Brookins. I am the co-host, Ronald Brookins. If you want to give us a call and, and chime in and, and, and give us your input, you can reach us at 347-826-7104. Or if you want to chat, I do have the chat room open. I'd be happy to go in and chat with you in our chat room. Uh, but, again, uh, today our focus is on education. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about waiting for Superman, but exactly what are, who are we waiting for? Is it Superman or is it something else? Uh, we'd like to get your input as to what we're doing. But getting back to our program and our host, um, you know, Donald, when we first decided to focus on this, there are certain issues that we wanted to focus on. One of them was why are teachers being blamed? Uh, uh, much of what we've seen in all of this, uh, big focus, always from what NBC did and its week of education focuses, as well as the movie Waiting for Superman, a lot of the f- blame seems to focus on the fact that they're saying that teachers uh, are, are, are not well prepared, um, and there are some teachers who are not fit to be in the school system. Well, they didn't hire themselves. <laughs> they were hired by the school system. So to me, those teachers who are not qualified to do the job, uh, should never have been hired. And certainly there has to be a system of hiring where you interview and you evaluate at that level. It has to be started at the beginning when you recruit and hire. The next level is the evaluation system within the school system itself. You know, how, how are administrators being evaluated in terms of uh, the environment they created at the schools and then how are the teachers themselves being evaluated in terms of the performance of the students. So it's not a singular thing. To me, it's all connected. Well, I think one of the aspects of why teachers are given such a, uh, a negative connotation because uh, of unions and the unions that re- represent those teachers. For a major part, and, and I disagree with the, of, of that aspect of, of unions because unions are there and should be there to protect teachers in the, in the sense that everyone deserves due process, uh, everyone should be fired for just cause, all of those things are important. However, it's equally important for accountability. It's equally important that everyone knows the role that they have to play, that everyone performs their job. You don't just, you know, get there and do the job and expect to receive tenure and not to be held accountable at some point. I mean, you should be evaluated on a yearly basis. Uh, there should be processes put in place. Uh, to achieve certain goals, and if those goals aren't met as far as performance, some action should be taken. But is that simply the be-all and the end-all? I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying about unions. Uh, and, and to a great extent, even the unions are stakeholders in this in terms of of what they do to make it possible to not just maintain jobs for teachers for life with this whole tenure issue. This tenure issue becomes an issue to me simply because of the fact that um, it's not representative of where we are today in our own society. No one should, after three years or two years, 
under any system receive a job for life without ever having to be evaluated and have there be some consequences related to that evaluation. Well, that's unrealistic. I agree with you. I mean, people should be evaluated on annual or, or semi-annual or, or whatever whatever that's decided for accountability. People should be evaluated, and based on that evaluated evaluation, should determine whether or not uh, they continue to be employed. Okay, so we dealt with the teachers to a great extent, and I'd love to see us get back to the teachers. Let's talk about parents and parent accountability. You know, I, I mean, don't you think that what's broken with our education system has a lot to do with what's broken with our social structure in terms of the families, particularly in urban and inner cities? But for the most part, it's a societal issue where particularly schools in which parents actively participate and there's a strong PTA and strong parent volunteering, normally are those schools that perform well. We know this, Donna, because we have two sisters that are retired teachers. One of them, for most of her career, worked at, her name is Carol Fay. She worked at a school in which she had strong parent support, uh, a highly active PTA. And as a result of that, they had in place and were able to do things in partnership with the parents and the community that made them a high-performing school for most of the time that she was there, whereas we our other sister, Barbara Jean, worked at schools throughout her career that were basically, except for maybe one or two, that were basically inner-city urban schools and that basically uh, did not have strong parent participation and that because of that and because of the ambivalence that parents had towards the teachers themselves and the schools and not being trusting enough and not being willing to take some accountability for their children and their children's education, it was a very difficult job for them to be able to teach these students and develop these students. Well, that's true, and that's, that's a great example because it's a contrasting view of one sister, who, who my sister Carol, who taught at a school that was in uh, basically a middle to upper middle class area uh, in which the majority of the students there came from middle class families or upper middle class families, and they had resources there, she had resources available to her to help her become more successful in performance. Wait a minute, you're missing a point here, because I know of schools in Hillsborough County. It doesn't matter where you're located or the area that you're in. The issue is parent participation and involvement in the schools, because there are schools that we have in Hillsborough County that aren't in upper-middle-class areas, that are in the urban centers, but they do very well because the parents themselves, regardless of what the economic uh, level is, they were interested and participated in the school activities as, as a part of the Parent Teachers Association. So they scored well. That's not an issue. The issue is the parents who take accountability to their students for, for their children as opposed to those who don't. Is parenting and should parents be held accountable for what occurs with their children and not simply blame it all on the teachers? Of course they should, but we also need to look at the fact that a lot of these parents, Ronald, um, are in underserved communities, uh, in areas where um, there's a, one parent in the home. Uh, she's probably working to support that family. Uh, probably has a lot of lot of pressure on her as far as being able to to uh, just do the basic things like uh, put a roof over their family's head, uh, provide them with food, and might need a little help from us. 
to help her do that. Oh, go further. What do you mean by might need a little help? What type of help? Might need a little help and assistance from whether it be the teacher, whether it be the the local community, in assisting her in 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 helping that child, whether it be tutoring, whether it be uh, uh, helping her to find have more options and flexibility to be involved in the process. Well, I can tell you that particularly in the Hillsborough County School System here in Tampa, Florida, in the Tampa Bay area, schools have all of those services available. They have tutoring. They have some other things. But let me tell you what some of my experiences have been because I, I was uh, volunteered uh, uh, at different schools and served on, on, uh, on those committees that were there, uh, committees that consisted of community uh, volunteers and activists, PTA, teachers, and the administration of the schools. And one of the things that I found out is that you have, particularly at the inner city schools, but at a lot of the schools, parents that come in and don't want to take accountability for their children and their behavior. I mean, behavior of students is one of the big impediments to educate, educating them, and educate, and also it interrupts other students within classes. You know, I, you know, I can tell you the story about a man that's very important to both me and you in our lives, and uh, that was Mr. James Gatlin. Uh, Mr. Gatlin worked in the school system for many years. Uh, um, he was our teacher at Young, Young Junior High School. Uh, he went on to become uh, a, a principal and then an administrator with the school board system, uh, went retired, came back out of retirement and went to open up a school within our own community that was in an urban center, but they wanted him to start it out so that he could put some things in place uh, so that the school could have success. Uh, the last time I saw Mr. Gatlin before he died, he was totally, totally uh, frustrated with what was occurring, not because of the school system, not because of the teachers, but because he could not get the cooperation of parents. When he was out there trying to build an example for these kids in terms of being responsible and accountable for their futures, uh, being open to new ideas and opportunities, and yet parents were coming out there dressing worse than the kids, uh, using foul language whenever they tried to discipline the kids. And he was so frustrated about that. So, again, you know, we've talked about accountability within all of this. You know, of course it's obvious that the school board is accountable, because that's what they're hired to do. They're professional educators. The administrator is accountable for running the school and creating an environment that allows for opportunity to learn. Teachers are accountable because they have the direct relationship and uh, with the students themselves. Students are accountable for coming to the school every day prepared and on time to learn. But the parents, to what extent are they accountable and how can we hold them accountable? They may be more accountable than anyone, I mean, because they're going to spend the majority of the time with that child, and uh, uh, they've got to instill discipline. They've got to instill uh, a sense of urgency. They've got to instill the fact that it's important that that child uh, uh, learns and becomes educated because it's going to improve the quality of their life. And they've got to be have the goodwill to try to get out there and, and, and participate in this process because it's going to benefit their child. What should happen to parents that come into a school uh, and disrupt the school? What should happen? How, how can teachers and school administrators deal with that? I mean, if we're going to talk about making people accountable, 
how are we going to be able to make parents accountable? That I don't know. I mean, that, that should be discussed. Um, something should be discussed to determine some means of making them accountable. Um, I don't know if you can hold them legally compliant for not participating uh, in a civilized manner. I don't know if that can be done, uh, but something needs to be done about it. Uh, I think outreach may be a little bit more of a, a reasonable approach. So let's talk about communities then. You know, what about communities? I mean, uh, communities have an obligation to create an environment uh, of learning and opportunity at schools also. I mean, we saw, you and I were witness to the fact uh, of what occurred at Middleton High School. Middleton High School is a school with our own community. It's a high school that was reopened that has a long history and uh, tradition. Um, and what was happening was it's a poor performance school that had received poor grades ever since it's been open. It's received to the point that now uh, under our system here in Florida that if it, if it continues to receive poor grades, that school is going to be closed. I know, I know. And the, and the last time that I had heard um, uh, there was a, a call from the from the superintendent of the Hillsborough County School Board who scheduled a meeting uh, with the community to try to come up with some ideas about saving that high school, well, about getting parents and teachers and educators involved. Well, my point is that that's exactly what happened. Uh, uh, it wasn't just simply a call from the superintendent. What happened was the community took it upon itself to, to, to move into action to organize itself, to go in and volunteer, to mentor. You know, a lot of the people that are graduates of that school went in to do mentoring, to provide support to the teachers, and to put forth an effort to help to improve the environment and thus improve the school itself and the opportunity for it to improve. So, you know, I, I, does it doesn't have to get that drastic. In some cases it does. It depends on the severity of, of, of what's happening in the particular school system. Uh, particularly with Milton, that was, I mean, that was really drastic at that, that scenario there. I mean, you had gangs starting to formulate at that school, and then children just were not learning. They were not reaching those kids. The teachers were not caring any longer. It, I mean, it was, it was like a, a domino effect, so it, it was headed in the wrong direction. All right, Donald, we're getting close to the end of our time here. We've got about three minutes remaining. So let's sort of wrap up, and let's, let, let's talk about this. Uh, can there be any real success in making the necessary changes at schools uh, uh, without all of the stakeholders being involved? I don't think so. I think that uh, uh, you can have some success, but you can have better success if all the stakeholders are involved. Uh, I want to refer back to, to Oprah's show. Uh, on the reaction show that they did, they, had, uh, they talked about uh, innovation. And they talked about innovation being allowed to, to become involved in the process. They talked about creating a system in which there's accountability. There's accountability for the parents, accountability for the students, uh, and accountability for the, the teachers. They talked about everybody being accountable with, with, with having a common goal of success at the end, of performance, of increasing performance, of expecting performance. So that's the sort of thing I think we need uh, in order for our school system to be successful again. Yeah, but uh, I think that you, you're dead on, but I also think there's leadership. Leadership is a, an important factor in all of this. And, you know, Mayor Cory Booker was on there, uh, and he's from Newark, 
and he, she talked about some other things, Donna. I think you took notes on. One of them had to do with making sure that we don't simply blame the teachers. That's true. I mean, and, and, and I think this is what everyone's been saying, not, don't blame the teachers. I think they had a, 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 another young lady on there. She was the president of the Teachers Association. She talked about uh, teachers, all teachers, want to help their students, for the, for the majority of them do, and that uh, if we're going to talk about this story, we're going to have to tell this story in the complete story, and we're going to have to simply say that don't blame teachers. Let's talk about what the teacher's role should be. Let's talk about what the parents' role should be. Let's talk about what educators' role should be. And if everyone understands their role, that this is a shared experience, then maybe we can achieve and have success at the end. So as we wrap up, got less than a minute left in the show. Is there a hope? I mean, can we turn it around? Of course we can. This is America. Anything is possible and achievable. Okay, but... When you say, of course we can, you say that with a great deal of confidence. I don't know that I'm so confident that we can turn around, and I'll tell you why. Because we're not on the same page. There seems to be, seem to be this belief that different communities uh, can solve this in their different ways, and I believe that we must have and be on the same page nationally as it relates to education. There, there has to be one standard. We can't have different standards for different locations. I know, and then we have to seriously talk about Disparities. There's disparities in, in different neighborhoods and different areas about how education is taught. We have to look at those disparities and try to, to, to bring them up to the same uh, standardized way of approaching this problem. All right. Um, we're glad you joined us today. Our focus has been on education, uh, some of the problems and the issues facing public education in this country, and what are some of the possible solutions. Um, we are Thank all of those who joined us today, and I hope you join us again next time. Uh, you're listening to America's Community Voices, brought to you by Twin B Communications. Today your host was Donald Brookins. I was the co-host. My name is Ronald Brookins. We hope you'll join us next time, and once again, thank you for being here with us on Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody.